There are endless ways to tune in and get present, but just getting present with the body, tuning into your senses, I found is a really simple way to get present and become more mindful of what's happening in your internal world and also around you. Welcome to Pencil Leadership. I'm Chris Anderson, success and lifestyle entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help you realize your full potential so you can leave a positive mark on the world. So if you're ready, take out your pencils and let's begin. Jack Kornfield said, if your compassion does not include yourself, it is incomplete. And Louise Hay said, remember, you have been criticizing yourself for years and it hasn't worked. Try approving of yourself and see what happens. Today we have Jordan Green, aka the love therapist on the show. She is on a mission to help people on their self-discovery and healing journey. Jessica believes love is the most powerful force in the world. When we rediscover that our true nature is love and remember how to express it towards ourselves and others, we find healing. So if you're trying to figure out how to love yourself better, this episode is for you. And if you like anything you hear on the show, don't forget to share it on Instagram and tag me at chris.t.anderson and subscribe to the show so you don't miss future episodes. So I am a licensed therapist and coach. I, this probably started when I was really young. I took an elementary school. I took a career test and it said I would be a counselor. And I'd actually forgotten about that until the last few years, but I think that's been working in my subconscious for this <laughs> life. And I grew up in a family where my mom always took us to volunteer in the community in various ways and just encourage that value of selfless service and helping others. And I think that contributed to me being where I am today in this career and this profession. In my undergraduates, I studied global perspectives and religion. And I've always been a super curious person. I think we all are. That's kind of just the nature of our inner child. (laughs) And I have a big interest in perspective and how that shapes the way that we experience the world. And realize that two people, say you and me here right now having this conversation, But the words that are being said may mean something totally different to each of us. The way that we're experiencing this present moment is potentially completely different. Not only that, but we're only able to see a very small percentage of what's actually happening right here and right now. We're only able to hear a small percentage of what's going on and sin. And so our perception is limited. So our culture, our childhood history, thoughts and beliefs all determine our perspective, which then determines our experience. So I love to meet new people. I love to travel and learn about different cultures and perspectives because it expands and opens my mind to new ways of thinking and living. So I essentially studied perspective in my undergraduate and also religion because I've always been drawn to spirituality. And then after I graduated from my undergraduate, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And both my mom and stepmom are social workers. So I actually went to graduate school for social work, and I love talking to people. I love working with them and helping them to find healing. So that combined with my drive for self-improvement and learning how the universe works naturally led me to this profession. So after graduate school, I worked at an outpatient counseling agency. And where I've really worked since then until this past year when I started my Instagram account and that 
really grew a lot more rapidly than I had expected. And people were wanting more content and wanting to work with me in a deeper way. And so started taking some other clients, coaching clients on the side, and also started a membership platform where I post courses and lots of content. So it's been a journey. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Because I love to travel just to experience like the different cultures and learn and the history there. And so with that, you said you studied perspective. Is perspective the same as what people call worldview? Is that kind of parallel or the same thing or no? Yeah, it's really similar. And actually the graduate or the undergraduate program that we called Global Perspectives at the time is now called Global Studies. So there's also an element of studying different events that are happening in the world, different countries, different cultures from many different perspectives. So we would take something that's happening on a global level and study it from the perspective of the arts, from the perspective Mm. of history, from the perspective of science, from the perspective of religion and spirituality. So we would study things from a bunch of different perspectives to see how our lens and can affect the way that we see something and how can we Mm. get more holistic understanding and view of what's going on. That's really cool. So where's your favorite place that you've traveled to so far? I have a lot of favorites, but one to mind right now because we're talking about mindfulness today is Tibet. Oh, okay. We went on a study abroad program to Tibet and we visited a bunch of different monasteries. And I just was really impressed with the, just, you could feel the deep spiritual roots of the country Mm. and the people. And it was just a very different way of living. And that was a big part of my mindfulness journey was being able to visit and get to interact with that culture and those people. Oh, I bet that was pretty cool. I can't imagine. I've only been to a handful of places outside the U.S. I'm hoping to expand that. And you mentioned in Tibet, like just seeing their spirituality, their roots there and the mindfulness. So how does that play a part with people over this topic of the power to change your life? Where does mindfulness kind of come into play there? Yeah, I think mindfulness is a practice. It's a way of being. And if you think of the word well-being, it's a well of being. We have a well of being inside of us and it's always accessible. It's always here right now and it's free. And we tend to seek, especially in our culture right now, we tend to seek comfort and peace and fulfillment outside of us. And what is fleeting and external, we are encouraged to stay busy, to fill the time. At one point, I just stopped and asked myself, what if we turned inward? What if we started to seek comfort and peace within? And that's something that I observed when I visited Tibet. How much time people were spending turning inward. And instead of checking out like throughout the day and during the day on their phones and TVs, what if we began to check in? Trust me, when you do that, a lot of stuff comes up, a lot of services, and it's all of the stuff that we've been distracting from. All of the underlying feelings that we've been covering up begin to emerge. And when we work through that and we let it out into the expression that it needs, we find that under that there's space and clarity and peace. So, you know, I feel like we're very imbalanced today. We, there are yeah. some distractions and things that pull us to the external, but when the external isn't balanced, with time spent daily going within and internal, it takes a big toll on our health and our well-being. We become imbalanced. And so if you think about how much time do you spend every day focused on the external and how much time daily do you spend focused on the internal? And I think I saw this huge contrast in just in general between how much time they spend on the external versus internal and our Western culture, how much time we tend to spend focused on the external and there's a huge neglect of our internal world. 
Yeah, I agree. I think it's cool to see like mindfulness and that internal kind of like the meditation, just knowing kind of that and that piece to see it start to become a little bit more mainstream, I think. From my perspective, seeing a lot more of it because I think it is needed and I think we get imbalanced. Yeah. What's a good place to start for people when they're trying to get into mindfulness training to focus on that internal aspect? That's a great question. So we live in such a fast-paced world of technology and instant gratification that it can be really hard and challenging to slow down. I know I've struggled with that a lot. I still do. Yeah. The cool thing is that our bodies are always present. So it's our mind that wanders in mm. the past and the future. And a really simple way to practice mindfulness is just to bring yourself back to the present through tuning into your senses, tuning into okay. your body. So in therapy, in the therapy world, we call this grounding and we have grounding exercises that we lead our clients through. I lead my clients through, especially clients who are experiencing anxiety and panic attacks. And so just, you know, start listing five things that you can see, five things that you can hear. What are five things that you can feel right now? Can you feel anything? What can you taste? And then once you're present with your environment through your senses, you can tune into your body. You can ask yourself, what am I feeling right now in my body? Where am I feeling it? Is there a place that needs some extra attention and love? And maybe you can put your hand there and send love to that area. Tune into your breath. Notice your breath. There are endless ways to tune in and get present, but just getting present with the body, tuning into your senses, I found is a really simple way to get present and become more mindful of what's happening in your internal world and also around you. And the cool thing is that you can do it anytime, anywhere. You can practice mindfulness while you're doing the dishes, while you're driving your car. You can practice mindful walking. You can practice mindful eating. There are just so many opportunities throughout the day to tune in and get present and practice mindfulness. And the key is just getting present. I see it as an art. It's a way that we train ourselves to be artists with our lives and train ourselves to get present. Mm, that's so good and so simple. I like that. Just being able to bring it back to the present by having those five things like that you see here, feel or taste or whatnot to just really ground it and begin that. Because I think once we do that, when we start to be able to kind of know ourselves better, focus on the internal, I think we'll realize so much more about ourselves, what we're capable of, what we can do and where we need to improve even. I think there's so much to learn and be able to grow into by doing that. Yeah, so it brings a lot of self-awareness. Mm, yeah. Right? The first step in any healing journey is just yes. self-awareness. Yep. Not aware of where you are, areas of growth, what maybe needs to change, what is not helping you, what is helping you. If we're not aware of that, if we can't even get present and tune in enough to sense what we're needing and where we're going, yeah, you know, it's the first step. Yeah. And it's funny too, because from my perspective as a male, like you see a lot of guys who are like, oh, that's frou-frou or all that fluff. And I'm like, no, it's not. Like it really is. We focus so much, like you said earlier, on the external, like working out, taking care of our bodies or our jobs or the tasks at hand. And the most important thing, like our mind and our internal thing, our internal presence. Why do you think it's so hard, especially for men, I think usually to come into terms with listening internally and just becoming more aware of that it's really hard for everyone <laughs> yeah really hard. i think as children we're very tuned in we're very tuned mm-hmm. in and to be very tuned into our needs we know what we want we know how we're feeling we express it but as we get older we begin to suppress maybe we have mm-hmm. some 
messages, received some messaging that we're not supposed to feel this way or this isn't acceptable right now. And we begin to suppress in various ways and we begin to distract. We have, you know, so many opportunities for distraction every day. And so the distracting, the suppressing, the avoiding of uncomfortable feelings, maybe it just were, we aren't taught how to cope, how to handle, how to manage our own emotional world. And so it's uncomfortable to feel certain emotions. It can be very uncomfortable. And if we're not taught the skills to regulate, to manage, to know how to even feel and express some of these feelings in a helpful and appropriate way. It just, we just, we suppress. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know that. I mean, just me growing up, suppression was huge and it would just bottle everything in. And, you know, I looked like I was just always calm and even keel, but like I was just internalizing everything and suppressing it. And so it was unhealthy which led to some problems, but being able to kind of release that, I think that's a really interesting point. Cause yeah, when we are young, when we're little, like if we're mad, if we're hungry, like we let people know, we don't care. You have meltdowns in Walmart and stuff like, no, the kids don't care. They just let it out. What do you think causes the start of suppression? Is it just interactions with like our family parents, like telling us to stop that? Or is there other, I know that's probably a really weighted question. Yeah, it's a big question. And it's complex, right? There's an answer to that. I think there are a lot of different things that contribute to that. A lot of different things. Yeah. But I think if we can start to release those in a healthy way, those emotions, those suppressed feelings, and then communicate those feelings correctly, I think that helps a lot with that growth. It is usually when we begin to practice mindfulness, when we start Mm -hmm. to present when we turn inward and start to become aware, observe, evaluate what is going on in my internal world, that we're creating space and the stuff surfaces. These emotions, these things that you haven't felt in so long, these memories that you haven't thought of in so long, you know, they're energetically imprinted within our systems. And when we create space is when a lot of this starts to surface and come up. And I know a lot has come up for people this past year, as everything has slowed down a little bit, people aren't going out as much. I've, I've had a lot of clients come to me and say, wow, there's so much coming up for me. And not only is it because of what's going on in the external, but we've created a little bit more space and that space mm-hmm. allowing a lot of things to surface that maybe we had been avoiding for a long time. Yeah, that's so true. And I've heard so much more stories through this last year of depression and like suicide and even negative ways that it's surfacing for people because they don't have any way to kind of either get help and then they also are not releasing it right. And so there's a lot with this last year that we've seen in regards to things surfacing and good and bad results from it. I really think that we're doing the best that we can, right? Mm-hmm. The tools that we have. And yeah. sometimes we're not taught emotional intelligence. Most of us weren't taught that in school. Mm-hmm. There weren't skills that unless we had parents or caregivers and teachers who were able to teach us these things, we weren't taught this. And yeah. so, you know, I have so much compassion <laughs> for people who are struggling or maybe just don't know how to find a healthy outlet or expression for what they're yeah. feeling. And, you know, a lot of us have experienced trauma and trauma. A lot of times we need guidance. We need guidance to help us find ways to process and release and heal so that when a lot of this stuff comes up, we learn what are some ways that we can cope with everything that's coming up? How can we begin to manage this and express it and find healing? 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's very well said. And it kind of goes to the point of, I struggled personally with it. It was just a self-compassion. You know, you said you had compassion for people and it shows, but how do we have that self-compassion to even, like for me, it was, oh, you're fine. Like, just stop. Don't, don't worry about that. Don't show your emotion type thing. And so no compassion for anything. And so that's why I suppressed everything. But self-compassion, I think it's a critical point, a critical piece in it as well. Yeah, it definitely is. And we all have that self-compassionate part within us. And that's the thing is that we give a lot of attention to these other parts, maybe the more critical parts. A lot of these other parts develop in an effort to protect us. All of our parts are trying to protect us and help us in some way. And at least that is my perspective in internal family systems therapy. That is what the premise of internal family systems therapy is. All of our parts are good. They're all trying to help us. Their strategies may be very unhelpful, but (laughs) good intent. And so we have these other parts, these critical parts, usually when we're talking about difficulty with self-compassion, usually a reason for that is we have these highly developed critical parts that have a lot of say in our internal world. They get a lot of attention and time and have a loud voice and starting to give more attention to and develop that inner wise, loving inner parent, that passionate part of us. We all know what compassion is, what it feels like. So if we can begin to tune into that and give it more of a voice within our internal world, and then, you know, that leads to more self-compassionate behaviors as well. But recognizing that we all have that within us. (laughs) That's so true. We do. And I think you mentioned a good part about like we allow our critical parts to kind of have more weight. What are those for maybe people don't know that what are those critical parts of us that kind of stand out versus the compassionate area of our life? There are a lot of different parts Mm -hmm. of us that can be critical. Um, You know, it may come out as more of like a perfectionist part. Things have to be done in a certain way or Mm -hmm. else, you know, they're underneath a lot of the critical parts is just fear right? Mm. Fear of maybe not being accepted, or if things aren't in control, then I'm going to feel out of control. And that's scary. Our critical parts may be trying to help us make progress and improve and be better. So again, they have good intent, but it can turn into self-condemnation and self-criticism. And of course, then (laughs) that doesn't doesn't lead us necessarily anywhere. It doesn't lead us towards growth and progress, even though it thinks that it will, if we can tear ourselves down and guilt ourselves into changing. That's not not really how change and growth works. We think it is. That's just temporary. And so there are a lot of different ways in which these critical parts can manifest. They can look a lot of different ways, but at the root of it is usually, you know, just fear, fear. If we can begin to even express acceptance and love towards that critical part of us, how can we have compassion for that part of us that's Mm. so scared of whatever it's afraid of, that's so scared of others' judgments, it's so scared of not being the person who we want to be and know that we can be. It can have a lot of fears. And if we can begin to show compassion towards that part of us, then that begins to heal. That's a good point. The acceptance of even those critical parts and understanding And I think it goes back to just knowing ourselves too. I know, and I don't know your perspective on it, but I looked into the Enneagram a little bit and was reading into my number and everything. And it was eye-opening because like continuing to learn about myself, I'm the one who always wants to improve things and be better and help more and, and do all this. But 
before I knew that it got to that critical state. And so I was then able to realize that and say, okay, I get in that critical state. I'm hard on myself. I'm sometimes hard on other people if they're not to that level or, or not trying to do the same thing. So I accepted that. I understood it. And then I was like, okay, what's a healthy kind of position to come from with that? And so I think, yeah, just knowing ourselves in all of the different parts, because like you said, it all kind of plays together and works together is super important. Mm-hmm. I really like what you said about the not criticizing the critical part. Because yeah. then we're just bringing another critical part. <laughs> <laughs> we're just smoking this loop of self-criticism at that point. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just take a different, completely different approach. Yeah. So how can people being able to see the critical areas would be a good place to start? Sure. Observing. Can we take, you know, we're so fused, <laughs> you know, with what's going on in our mind. And if we can take a step back and just begin to observe what's mm. going on there, what's, what yeah. are the that I'm thinking on a daily basis, like we observation can lead to awareness. And like we talked about that self-awareness is the first step towards change. So yeah. can we begin to observe what's going on in my internal world right now? Am I, you know, being kind to myself? Am I having compassionate thoughts? Or am I being really critical and hard on myself right now? And mm-hmm. so taking a step back, being more mindful of our internal world, as well as our external Yeah, that's huge. Like I would use critical words towards myself sometimes working on things or or projects or whatnot and be negative towards myself. And eventually I was like, wait, it's okay. Things aren't perfect. And then try to then switch the verbiage and the wording. And so, yeah, being aware and being able to kind of step in those moments to change the direction, I think is Mm -hmm. a really big point. Yeah. And doing it with compassion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All comes back down to compassion. What's going on in our internal world? A lot of times, you know, we can feel a lot, experience a lot of self-judgment, or we begin to judge what's going on. But if we can just be aware, observe, you know, work on that acceptance and bringing in yeah. some compassion, and yeah. we don't have to get rid of all of those critical parts. They just need more compassion. They can mm-hmm. transform. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. and then it kind of comes full circle back to like spending time in mindfulness, spending time like focusing on that eternal to find all that. So it all is like one big circle to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Just slowing down and yeah. observing and getting present and being with ourselves mm. with distraction and being with our environment, the people around us without distraction. Can we get present? Yeah. My mind kind of wonders because you say no distractions. So if the mind wonders, is that okay to just kind of bring it back? We're always turning to our phones or Mm -hmm. turning on music and music can be a great way to get present. You know, we can practice mindfulness through that. But when you sit down to eat, are you watching something? Are you listening to something? Mm. Are you being present with yourself and your food? And so what I mean by no distractions is how can we reduce the noise in our external world so that we can have that space to tune in to what's going on internally? And it can really help to know there's no wrong way to do it. There's no wrong way to practice mindfulness. One of the big challenges people have is feeling like they should be able to still the mind or getting frustrated with racing thoughts. But that's not the point. We can observe and become mindful of the thoughts and allow them to come and go without attaching emotionally to them, without attaching judgment to them. And I think one of the biggest things is self-compassion. Yeah. <laughs> no wrong way to do it. Just start slowing down. Just start getting present, tuning into yourself. Awesome. Yeah, so good. And so a really simple way to do it is just slow down and just be in tune. So Jordan, just great information. I was super excited that you're on to be able to share this. 
before we do kind of close out and say bye, I ask this question of my guests, the fifth trade of pencil leadership uh, is we're all created uniquely and with a purpose to leave a positive mark in the world. And so with that being said, when everything is said and done for you here on earth, what do you hope your mark is? I want people to feel more love for me. Mm -hmm. That's just one thing. It is more love on this planet. I think that's what we need. We need more love. And that's a feeling that I hope to give to everyone that I meet and just more love. And, you know, I do focus a lot on my content creation on Mm -hmm. relationships and improving the quality of our relationships and how to develop the skills and the understandings that we need to have healthy relationships. So more love and better relationships. (laughs) Yes, that's amazing. Where can people connect with you at so they can see what you're creating and what you're up to and maybe share? I know you have a new group or new membership as well to share about that. Yeah. So people can find me on Instagram at the.love.therapist. I also, like you mentioned, created a new membership community called The Love Group, where we post courses and have lots of live workshops on relationship-related content. We have guided meditations and yoga classes and breathwork classes and peer support groups, all kinds of good stuff. The Instagram for that is the.love.group. You can find all of my services and everything I offer on my website at jordanandrea.com. Awesome. Cool. Well, yeah, again, Jordan, thank you so much for being on Pencil Leadership today. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. And thanks so much for tuning into this episode today. If you found value at all from this episode, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It just helps us get this show, these messages out in front of more people. And don't forget to share this with someone who you think could benefit from listening to as well. Now let's go out and be Pencil Leaders.